by Lisa Grant and Cantor Lisa B. Siegel. I am so happy to welcome you both to Exit Strategy. Thank you so much for being here. We're so happy to be here. That beautiful intro was Cantor Lisa B. Siegel, and, and we will be talking more about that. But I want you to know you have set the table perfectly for the conversation today, which is talking about this most beautiful book and app. The book is called The Year of Mourning, A Jewish Journey. It was just published in June. Rabbi Lisa Grant, I'm honored to say I have known you for several years. You are the director of the New York Rabbinical Program at Hebrew Union College, Jewish Institute of Religion. And Cantor Lisa B. Siegel, you serve as Cantor at Kolot Kayenu, Voices of Our Lives in Park Slope, Brooklyn. So the year of mourning, a Jewish journey. The book is truly a resource of stories and songs and text and poetry and prayer to really guide the reader after the loss of a family member or friend. I will start with you, Rabbi. Please talk about the origin of the book. Good question, because the origin wasn't a book, actually. When my dad died immediately after Shiva, actually, I, I experienced some pretty difficult health challenges for myself that went on throughout the year of mourning and beyond, which really prohibited me from mourning for my dad in the way I would have liked. When my mother died a few years later, I was hypersensitive to that and feeling the need to really mourn them both at the same time. And so also at that time, other people in my community, as is, is always the case, were had experienced loss you know, of loved ones at the same time. And so I decided to start a Kaddish club in our synagogue community. You know, it was sort of an open invitation to anyone who was in a period of mourning. And there were a couple who had very recent losses and there were others who had more distant losses, but still were in this process of grieving. And we would gather together once a month in people's homes. And then I had to figure out, well, if we're gathering, what are we gonna do? It's not just to say Kaddish, but we wanted to share stories and sing together and connect in some way to Jewish tradition to help us guide us through the, this process of mourning. And so all of these different ideas and experiences that I was crafting for this group of people as mourners kind of came together as what was the genesis of this project. But mourning is not a linear process. We go up and down in our feelings and experiences. And one day we may be feeling incredibly grateful or another moment of the same day, we may be feeling completely broken and spent. I wasn't sure, I didn't think a book was gonna be the right thing because a book is linear. I was talking to the publisher of CCR Press at the time, Rabbi Hera Person, who is now the executive director of the CCAR, and she said, why not an app? And I thought, that is a great idea. We put it together as an app, and then the book emerged from that. So let's bring in the canter just to talk about this aspect. 
we know that the role of Jewish music really helps someone experience perhaps every aspect of life. But when it comes to mourning and bereavement, I'm curious to know, how do you think it informs the experience? It's interesting, like the chant that we listened to at the beginning of the session together comes from the blessings before the Shammah. To the one who renews every day the acts of creation. So it just seems like an apt metaphor in some ways that music is renewing. Many words have been written about this by great sages and others about how music can take us to a place beyond words. And I often start a funeral with a niggin, for example. And then I go on to say when I'm leading that sometimes we're going to hear a lot of beautiful words about this person today and share a lot of stories and words. But in this moment, we may not have the words. Just the sound, the rhythm, the beauty of a song, of a melody can take us to some unknowable destination in ourselves. And I think at a time when many of us in grief uh, and mourning feel so many feelings, but we also may feel lost. We may not feel like we have the words to put into place about what we're feeling. And that music, either with or without words, and those texts associated with them can really help lift us into another space. Even the way we move our bodies, right? I think um, we're Jews. <laughs> we are people of the book and the word and Torah and all of the texts that we uh, swim in. But there's a way in which I think the movement of our bodies, the, the movement even in prayer, it's another access point for getting to feeling and emotion and grief too. For our listeners who may not know this word, nagun, what that is, which is a melody without words, often services that I attend will begin just that way without words. And it allows all of us to enter the space in the same way to be together without speaking. I would add a niggin. It is a wordless melody, but the tradition of nigunim really is actually attached to the word as well. So often these nigunim come from texts, come from chants that are rising out of text. And so it's a meditation on the layers of how we experience all of that stuff also with words. So I think that that's really beautiful. And I will just add, it's, it is hard to talk about music. <laughs> I've been finding this as Rabbi and I go through this. Sometimes it's hard to talk about music. Music is so experiential. I want to return to the story of the app a little bit. Can one have the app without the book? You know, ideally, both would be useful. The app obviously has the recordings of the music, which the book can't have. And so that makes the app really special. And there's some other features in the app that are quite lovely. There's an opportunity for some journaling. There are daily quotes for inspiration. So the app has components that the book doesn't have, but the book is a physical object that you can thumb through. And that also is part of the intent behind how to use it. We envision this as something somebody might keep at their bedside or at the kitchen table and really be able to just pick it up and thumb through it and find something that speaks to them in the moment. We have seven themes and they do follow an arc but we don't prescribe the arc, you know, we just offer, offer the arc. And it begins with pain, 
and moves to brokenness and then sadness, comfort, resilience, acceptance, and gratitude. And within the book and the app, each of those seven themes have seven units. So 49 weeks that are organized in the similar format. And each unit begins with a song and all of the material in the unit relates in some way to the theme, the themes of pain of brokenness of acceptance and so on. So we begin with a song and then after the song is in what we call a kavanah or an opening reflection, just a short little passage that can help ground the reader in this experience and give them a chance to turn inward and be present. And then there's a short passage of text, and it could be an ancient text, a biblical text, a rabbinic text. Some, sometimes it's a contemporary text with some guiding questions, again, connected in some way to the theme. And that's followed by a piece of poetry. Um, many of the poems are written by Jewish writers, not all of them. There's a mix of poetry that raises up in poetry and in some ways is another form of music. And each of these units closes with the mourner's Kaddish. Certainly people can use the material in a linear way and do everything in that one unit, or they may say, I'm looking for a poem on prayer, on pain, but I want to find a text study that has to do more with resilience. And so they can really self-guide through the book and the app. The poems play such a profound role in the book. Prayer is poetry. So much of our liturgy is poetry drawn from the Psalms. And if you go to a, a worship service, maybe you're not as aware of it, you know, because it's all, you know, so much is in Hebrew, maybe less familiar. There's a poetry to the experience and poetry, like music, can take you to a different space and a different place and ignite feelings in, in a different way than than prose can. So when I lead services, whether it's at school or in you know, different opportunities that I have, I often will bring in a poem to interpret a prayer, to enhance the meaning of a prayer, to help ground people in the themes of the prayer, sometimes even in place of the prayer, you know, as a, as a way of, a new way of seeing what the idea behind the prayer is trying to evoke. Poetry is a natural part of my life, so I felt that it could speak to, to many. Beautiful. Cantor, please chime in here. It just made me think about what we were talking about with music and the sort of different access points and how people enter into their realms of emotion. Of course, we think of our sacred texts as sacred texts, but there is a way in which both music, poetry, all of it, there's a concept about Nidrash, right? About the interpretation of Torah. And we call that white fire on black fire, that the letters of Torah are the are stories and that everything else is the white fire, the spaces in between the creative space. And so to me, in tandem with poetry and music and even moving our bodies, which is not really in, in the purview of this exactly, but even as we say the Kaddish, as we bow, as we move through prayer, that all of those things in tandem are a way of accessing the sacred and accessing the source. And in a way, perhaps not an entirely modern concept to say that like Midrash and modern Midrash, that these kinds of sources and these kinds of offerings are filling in that creative space and filling in the uh, what isn't maybe hasn't been named before in our tradition. So I just wanted to add that. 
I want to go back for a moment to the seven meta themes because, and I'm going to repeat them because I think they're important to hear again, pain, brokenness, sadness, comfort, resilience, acceptance, gratitude. I want you to talk about two things. One, the number seven in Judaism and how you came up with these specific words to describe the themes. So seven is one of those special numbers in Judaism, parking back to the seven days of creation. Seven appears other times in our tradition. It's also a prime number, you know, so it, it represents kind of a wholeness of the, the seven is this complete unit of experience, if you will. And so seven seemed right. And it says the year of mourning, and we know there are 52 weeks in the year, and you know, seven times seven is only 49. But so that just felt like this is the right Jewish number to create this unit of experience. The themes, I think the themes really emerged as, as an organic process as I, pulled together the materials that I want that were, I thought were going to be meaningful, you know, just sort of amass the materials. And, and I want to say here, you know, I had begun with a list of songs that I knew was very incomplete and very basic. And then I went to Cantor Siegel and said, help me with this. And we, we spent this amazing several hours sitting around her kitchen table, you know, brainstorming music. And at, at that point, I said, I want you to partner with me on this book. And that's how the partnership began, because it wasn't just the music that she was contributing to, but it was everything. And so I'm so grateful for your partnership, Lisa, in this. And, you know, and I really don't think this would be anywhere near the beautiful book it is without without your involvement. So as the, you know, I had kind of like this file of stuff and then I, then I began to organize it and see what themes emerged. And so those were the themes that sort of came out of the process. There are many that are very difficult and challenging and sad and then acceptance and gratitude and comfort, you know. And those are also the part, part of the mourning process. When we think about the memory of, of our loved ones who have died, there's tremendous gratitude that can be felt, you know, for having them in, ha, been in our lives and for what we've learned from them and what we hold on to and how we carry their memory. I think gratitude is very, very powerful. And of course, acceptance that we know that they're no longer with us and somehow we keep living. That's what makes us human. Yes, Cantor. Please. As I thumb through with the beautiful tabs in the book, which is so easy, just even looking at that week of gratitude, sometimes we repeat the songs, sometimes in the same section, sometimes not. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, you know, not every song is, quote, about gratitude or about pain or about brokenness. It's really meant to work in tandem with those texts, with those sacred texts, with those with those poems that that Rabbi Lisa mostly chose. It's not an obvious choice. We tried not to be didactic in that way and tried not to just be like, well, this is a song about pain, but really to help lift people out in those moments. And then they're repeated. And it's interesting, songs can work in different settings, right? You might think of a song that was, you know, it was sung at um, your grandparents' wedding or it was their favorite song. And then it's sung at a funeral later. So there's the joy associated with it of their lifetime of love. And then you think of 
all the history of that song and the way that it brought them a lot of joy at one point and also in a time of grief brings them some mm -hmm. sense of comfort. It's not like it's a direct one-on-one. -on -one. We're not trying to um, direct anyone of how to feel, but to just offer them that resource and, and to see what happens in yourself as you listen. Can one embrace community with this book and the app? Or is it creating a more individualized approach? Is there any issue with that at all? You know, today we live in a world that we're on our phones all the time and we talk about put down your phones and what are we doing with our phones? So I'm just really curious to know if that ever played into your thought process at all. It did for sure. I did see it primarily as an individual resource, but community is so key. And so we did build into the resources in both the book and the app, a series of group rituals which could be done in small family groups or in one's home, or could be done in a synagogue or other communal space. And they are templates that clergy can use to develop and adapt, but they could also be done by lay leaders as well as they're offered. And there are set times in the year of mourning where, that, where the community could gather in that way, Shiva being one, that getting up from Shiva, which is generally a personal time of, you know, sort of going back out into the world, the end of Shloshim, the first 30 days, the Matseva, the, the unveiling, which in the North American setting usually happens at the one year anniversary. But, and we also built in a mid-year reflection time, which is not part of Jewish tradition, but felt like this might be a nice time for a gathering, whether it's your intimate circle or a broader circle, you know, maybe a gathering of mourners. And that could certainly be built around a Yisker service. Again, most progressive Jews are familiar with Yisker on Yom Kippur, but Yisker actually is built into all three of the, the pilgrimage festivals as well. So Sukkot, Passover, and Shavuot are other opportunities where a Yisker service could draw on the resources of this book, not to promote the book so much, but to use it as a resource guide for building out a service. So I also think it's in a way for folks who may not be so connected to community, it's a bit of an on-ramp as well. I mean, I'm not saying that anybody who's reading the book or using the app is going to go join a synagogue or find a place to say kosher every day. You never know. But they might, and you never know. <laughs> but I think it is, a, it, as a resource, there is a kind of an opportunity for an on-ramp of um, deepening somebody's connection to Jewish texts and knowledge and, um, and just really learning while at the same time having an experiential emotional experience, either on their own or to share with friends. I have to tell you that Plaza sponsors several bereavement support groups, and I have reached out to those who run our bereavement support groups and shared the book with them because I think it is a wonderful guide. And look, the reality is we all like to have a roadmap, right? Uh, the book is called The Year of Mourning, A Jewish Journey. It has an app attached to it. I urge you to download that app and to buy the book because it truly is a, a gift that keeps on giving for sure. Thank you so much for sitting in conversation with me today. Thank you. What a delight this has been. 
the host of Exit Strategy, I thank you for tuning in to what I hope was an informative and illuminating conversation about this end-of-life issue. I urge you to visit our show notes, and there's an email listed there, so if you have any questions, send them my way. In the meantime, please share this episode with anyone you know who may be interested, and subscribe to Exit Strategy. Wherever you listen to your podcasts each month, We'll renew our conversation with another topic, and I'm really happy you're along for the ride. I'm Stephanie Gary, and this is Exit Strategy. Exit Strategy.